1: Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm here at NAM, the National Association of Music Merchandisers. It is a huge trade hall filled with 125,000 people looking at instruments and gear and software and lighting. I'm Dimitri Vitsa. I'm your host. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock Paper Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music and tech. And I'm really excited because I have Mike Adams, the president of Moog, and Cyril Lance, the CTO of Moog how are you guys doing great awesome thanks for being here so I'm sure our audience is familiar with moog but what are some
2: things the general public might not realize about the company uh, been around uh, since 1954 um, Bob uh, founded the company building thereman's out of his uh, I guess his garage or basement with his father paid his way through college with that and uh, met herb Deutsch in the early 60s. Um, He and Herb worked on a synthesizer concept back then, and the company kind of went away for the, I guess, maybe the late 70s and 80s, and then uh, Bob uh, re-founded the company in Asheville in 1994, and we've been uh, building musical instruments, since then. Unfortunately, Bob decided to pass away in 2005, and Cyril came on board then. I came on uh, board in 2002, and uh, we've both been there, Cyril now, about 15 years, and this will be my 18th year.
1: Wow, that's great. I mean, it's so interesting because um, the company has such a, a, a storied history, you know? I mean, that, this, I didn't know the story about the theremin. I mean, I wish I put myself through college building theremins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Pretty cool. Um, so, I'm going to jump to the future, and then we can build back up from the past. What are the current trends in, in synthesizers and keyboards?
2: Well, you know we're uh, it's uh, you know we're setting the trends our- ourselves you know last year we came out with the moog one which is a first polyphonic analog 16 voice synthesizer um, it's winning all kinds of awards out there so you know our company's really focused on innovation continuing to push the envelope for analog design and and instruments and creative ideas uh, that uh, take the form of that product and many others that we've um, put together uh, over the last couple of years. Gotcha.
1: Um, how's the interest in retro Sense impacting the overall industry and fans' experience of music?
2: Well, Dimitri, I mean, uh, when you say retro synth, uh, that's you know that's where we began. We're we are the retro, so uh, we've been experiencing the. Amazing uh, renaissance of analog synthesizers, uh, you know, almost ever since I got there. When I first got there, it was a lot of software sense. Um, and today, you know, I think people have really recognized the, that they're a compatible world together. And um, if you want uh, feel and touch, um, you know, hardware is what you need. If you're trying to just get into it, the software world is a very uh, quick and easy entry into synthesizers. Interesting. Sarah, what about, what do you have to say about that? Well, I think what I would say is that,
0: um, the word retro is probably no longer applicable. And I think, um, the, the, the creative music community has really moved beyond that, which is extremely exciting. And I don't think any instrument that we make is retro. I think it's, they're all forward looking. And I think the, the, um, you know, Moog, we, well actually the whole music community w- w- was very lucky in that these some very fundamental concepts came about in the fifties and the early sixties of how to c- uh... control sound electronically and Bob was at the, at the one of the epicenters of you know this idea of control voltage and interconnectivity and really developing interfaces that are um... tied directly to the artist so that the artist can develop a personal relationship with that instrument, just like you know, in the sixteen hundreds, and and you got your wooden violin. That artist then devo- developed a lifelong relationship with that violin. In the same way, these instruments are are tools for artists to kind of expand and um, actualize on their on their creative vision and um, develop a tool that that is kind of infinite in exploration. So you know we think of it as retro, but really we're just the continuation of this incredible tradition of creating tools for artists to express themselves that started you know thousands of years ago. So I think what's what's exciting now is that all the people are really starting to see this. So if you go to shows, big shows, small shows now you see an incredible collection um, you know there's it's no longer like, oh, there's the digital synth guy, there's the iPad guy, there's the DJ guy, and by guy, I mean both genders, all genders. Um, uh, it's all coming together because there's there's just this incredible um, collection of musical tools. So I feel like what we do is, is not retro in any way, it's actually trying to... Use the traditions and the legacies and the knowledge that we have, the particular magic that we can create, and contribute to this incredible
1: wealth of options for artists out there to in- express themselves. I love I love that response because um, there was a moment where the where the original Moog sound came about, and you talked about some of the technological innovations or technical innovations really that led to that that original sound, and then there was even a gap in the company and then you guys could come back and come back to that almost take a little sabbatical from the sound and bring it back but you're you're like reuniting it as a thread a narrative that continues rather than saying oh this is a throwback no we're picking up where it left off um, which is cool because if you, you also mentioned the violin. If you, if you pick up any, any instrument or any tradition, any genre, you have this thread that continues and you watch the evolution. And I like how you've now said that it's not about going back to an old sound. It's about coming along
2: with that sound into what's happening now. Early, in, just the very first question you asked me was about Moog and things that people might not know. One of the things that I think people miss a lot is that uh, in the 60s, uh, Bob and the company, Mo- R.A. Moog, Moog Music at that, at that time, R.A. Moog, uh, were, were able to introduce the concept of a new musical instrument into the music world. And I think a lot of people really, um, you know, that's kind of, that's disappeared in the last 15 or 20 years as, as he's passed away, And but, you know, at the turn of the century, I think it was Time magazine said it was one of the greatest inventions uh, of the, of the uh, 20th century, so um, I still think that uh, we need to give him due for that because uh, to introduce any kind of new musical instrument in this world is very difficult and the synthesizer is really one of the very few that has actually taken hold. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: You know, um, since we're talking about taking a historic moment and turning it into a modern moment and and current creation, I'm curious what new trends you see more broadly that are emerging in how people are making music. You know, I can only...
0: there's so much to that question, so I'll just give you some of my personal thoughts about it. Um, I think um, one of the things that really inspires me um, is that uh, Technology is evolving in a way that is is empowering more people to create. It's empowering more people to collaborate and it's empowering more people to listen. And I think those are three really fundamental parts of the human experience that we need to celebrate and get more of. So, technology is really enabling people to have access to tools that they didn't if you think twenty years ago the idea of being able to record a track you know you'd have to save your pennies and you know work three waitressing or waiter jobs to you know get into a recording studio now your iPhone has a recording studio in it um, the ability to communicate with other musicians um, and across time, space um, genres, languages Um, and I also think there's um, uh, there's a there's a the the boundaries between different types of medium are breaking down which is very exciting the boundary between being a musician the boundary between being a visual artist the the boundary between being a movement artist or or whatever it is Um, so I think these trends are bringing the creative experience uh, into kind of a more uh, larger space um, and uh, that's opening a lot of uh, opportunities for many different types of creative visions and I think if you look at um, artists like um, Bjork who are really pushing the boundaries of what you can do with technology and really exploring um, cutting-edge technology artificial intelligence you know long-distance um, uh, collaboration and expression, um, visualization. So I think it's a really exciting time. Um, and I think, it, I think we are at, at the cusp of a new way of um, exp- expressing uh, ourselves through technology. And I think one of the things that really excites me is, um, again, we make interconnectivity in the way instruments interact and control each other uh... has been fundamental to you know our, our paradigm and it's a legacy that was left to us and what's so exciting to me is that that paradigm is in, in totally relevant to what's happening in technology today and i think that's incredible that these visions and ideas that started in the fifties are you know really at the center of uh... this nexus of
1: possibility yeah that's cool Um so what about software and mobile devices replacing synths it seems like you know every generation or every couple generations something there's something that pushes something else uh to its limits and then beyond its limits um you know on our podcast we've talked about you know uh, performing musicians being really upset about the takeover of the dj when dj started performing at broadway musicals for example or at weddings and you no longer have the live musician and then we talk about artificial intelligence, and now some DJs are upset that artificial intelligence is now creating music, and they don't, or, or creating mixes or things like that. You guys are in a situation where you've got this potentially disruptive technology as well, in the form of, um, you know, synths going entirely to the desktop. What uh, what do you guys wh- where do you guys stand on
2: that? What do you feel about it? How does that fit into what you do? Well, first of all, anything that lowers the barrier for more musicians to get into the market is a good thing for us because eventually they'll be wanting our kind of product. So I love the fact that software continues to be better and better, and, and software uh, continues to attract more musicians into the into the, our space. Um, and I and I don't see it incompatible. I just see the the two things are just going to continue to meld together. We work on that a lot. Actually, Cyril was involved in what's probably the most um, widely sold um, uh, mobile app for a, a synthesizer ever. I think we have over 700,000 users of it in the Animo. and uh, that's been an amazing uh, instrument for a lot of people. We we saw Flying Lotus use it on stage uh, with with an iPad, and it was really cool. It sounds great. Um, we'll continue to evolve, uh, you know, that kind of technology ourselves. But everybody else that's in that world, it's a positive for us, and it's a positive both from the standpoint of new entrants and also a positive from the creativity standpoint and bringing, peop- bringing the hardware and the software together as a, as a whole package, really. Have you, see, have you been able to actually see a, con-
1: uh, a wave of conversions, Some, somebody that enters through a mobile experience and then switches
2: to a hardware one? I wished I could answer that. You know, um, Apple makes it very difficult for us to see those users of of Animug. So I'm sure if there's 700,000 users out there, I'm sure that's happened. But I can't point to anything in particular.
1: I mean, I like your answer. I mean, it's it's seeing more of a a larger context, a bigger picture of it's not about an either-or. It's about a pathway. And also, you guys keep coming back to creativity, which is super fun to hear. And somehow, Moog has this identity, this brand that really does give, I mean, maybe it's because it was founded by an inventor and his origin story is kind of, even if you don't know the story, you feel the story and uh, it, you you know, in a way there's something about Moog that you kind of think there's some... Crazy, creative brain behind things.
2: It's not, and and, you know that's not a that's not some imagined perception. We see that almost every day at the place. I mean, I can tell you, just the fact that Cyril's here fits into that that narrative. Um, You know, Bob when he was um, uh, diagnosed with cancer the last person that he said you got to meet this guy and it was Cyril mm. and uh, even you know we feel his presence in our place every single day he's there if you come to visit the factory you'll you'll feel him as well and it's one of our core values is just to continue to to honor him and do his work. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a- I'll, uh, I just want to jump in because there's an interesting story you know
0: everything we we tend to think that things that are happening now are new but you know there's always a parallel and one of the parallels to what you said um, when Bob first um, came out with the synthesizer a lot of people take for granted just how radical that was like those sounds the sounds and the possibility of playing musically there was a lot of people that were really really upset at Bob because they thought he had invented something that was going to replace the orchestra and that working musicians you know union musicians were all gonna lose their jobs so I think it's funny that you're talking about disruptive technology now but that's what people said you know when Bob first came out this instrument but it's 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 great because of course that's silly you know I mean things come and go because of uh, how people want to express themselves and, and, and a tool reflects culture and what needs to be expressed in the moment and sometimes tools so when digital synths came around that was disruptive to analog synths because it was new and different but eventually people said hey digital synths are good for this and analog synths are good for this and now we're at a place where they're all m- melding together and there'll be something new disru- quote unquote disruptive but really it's just gonna push people to create more and they'll so it's like a big party that's getting larger and larger mm. you know
1: it does seem like it is i mean it seems like more people are making music than ever before and even if it's a 10 year old with an iphone that makes some music uh, that's a that's a ten year old that might not have been making music if they weren't bored in the restaurant ha- taking their f- parents' phone away from them or whatever it is. And then what's going to happen with that kid, or even the video games, you know, that they're playing, that then influence their musical vision and and roots and and turn into some other new genre or something like that. Yeah, um, it,
0: uh, I like that image because when um, we designed the animoog, um, it was really interesting because the concepts we di- behind the Animoog were things that I had been working on in the hardware realm and then the, you know the, here was this first iPad and I was like wow I could really test these ideas out a lot easier on this thing than building all this hardware but one of the visions for Animoog was to create an instrument that um, you know had these elements of expansive c- um, creative kind of en- endless infinite possibilities so that the most you know developed artists could be inspired by and used but yet that a a child could walk up to and have instant fun and gratification so the combination of the visual and the sound and the fact that you did that there was a way of playing it that required no virtuosity and one of the really gratifying things when Animoke first came out was uh, you know hundreds of videos came up on YouTube of people handing Animoke to these very very small kids their eyes lighting up and seeing the visualization of the sound and just moving their fingers around so you know if you can inspire people at such a young age um, that's a that's a beautiful thing and and we feel very blessed to be able to do that and um... you know i think what um... uh... mike said about feeling bob's presence in all of this is 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 just a really
1: special experience Yeah, that's awesome um... i also Uh, didn't do a lot of research about MoogFest, but I've heard about it for years. um, And it seems to be an extension of this idea around creativity. I could just imagine it must be a blast. Um, I'm curious, have you seen certain genres that feel like they're... Uh, identified with Moog in a way because of the sounds of Moog? Are there new genres that are emerging as you guys have instruments emerging or are there artists that our listeners could go out and check out and know
2: that they're part of the this cultural phenomenon that is Moog? Well there's certainly genres um, that continue to take advantage of the of the technology and you know there's so many genres of music now and it's just uh, impossible for you know, everybody to be categorized in some way or another. And at Moogfest, one of the things that we try to do is to recognize those artists that are really pushing the edge, whether it's with our technology or whoever's technology. We invite everybody in, including all of our competitors, to that. But yes, I'm a, for example, there's a North Carolina group, Sylvanesso, that has really pushed the boundaries. They've done a lot of work with us. We love those guys. I love Lower Dens. That's something they can check out. I mentioned Flying Lotus. They ju- we just released a. Video with them um, called "Building Your World" and it's uh, showcasing some of our new te- newest technology. So um, I think you know there's there's certainly at Moog Fest and um, throughout the world there's there's artists that are pushing the boundaries with our technology. It's really great. Talk about uncut gems. Oh yeah, and we just uh, we just finished uh, shooting a uh, was Daniel open right. And uh, he's a um, soundtrack producer for the movie Uncut Gems. We did like a six—that's uh, longer than that. It's probably a thirty-minute documentary uh, film with him showing how he used the Mug 1 uh, to really create the sounds that weren't available to him any other way uh, for that particular movie. Than, than with uh, the Mug 1, we worked really closely with him on that. And uh, the documentary is something that everybody should go out and watch, if, especially they're interested in how film and music connect together and the soundtrack associated with that that's a that's a whole ton of our customers you mentioned video games a a little while ago lots of our customers are video game music people you know they're 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 behind the scenes of that but they they love the Moog because it's so flexible and and in this particular case with Uncut Gems it really gave Daniel something that he couldn't get from anywhere else and I think that that kind of technology really pushes the creative edge for people. That, you know, he was really searching for something and just couldn't find it. So, where can people see that documentary? Um, on our YouTube channel. Oh, okay, yeah, cool.
1: awesome. So, um, I want to ask you one more general question, Lynn. Let's talk a little bit about Nam since we're here. What are there? Are there new things that you? Think will be emerging in the next five or ten years that will change music making or listening like specific things that you've kind of got on your radar again we've talked about artificial intelligence on this show before we uh, talked about 5g and the influence on speed but also collaboration stuff like that what other things are you seeing that uh, you think are gonna you know five or ten years from now we're gonna look back and say oh we didn't see that coming and wow look what happened
0: well I'm not a, a good futurist and a lot of times I have my head head in my lab bench. But, um, so I think there's a lot of people more qualified to talk about it than myself. But I think some of the things that I see happening, which I think are going to uh, be really um, significant are, uh, there's a a lot of ways that are opening up in the way that um, humans can interact physically and psychologically, with the, the the tool, let's just call it a tool or an instrument, and I think that's um, we're going to see a lot of innovation and different ways of uh, manipulating sound haptically in space, um, the user experience, the user interface, and also um, uh, again. The, where the instrument becomes probably part of the composition and part of the movement in a, in a much larger context like right now we think tradition of instrument is a is something that you sit down or you hold and play and your fingers actuate something or press a string or, or, or manipulate something physically I think that whole that whole concept is
1: opening up and I think that's going to be a really exciting thing to see develop. You know, it's interesting, we talk about as one of our seismic shifts, music is like air, and that follows the idea of music is like water, which is a subscriptions for streaming service changes how people feel about listening to music, and we have music like fire, how music is taking over other industries. Um, and showing up in video games and films and new ways and corporate videos and all sorts of other things. But Music Like Air originally concept was about ambient technology in the sense of you talk to the air and the music comes back, meaning Alexa, Siri, the voice, smart speaker kind of stuff. There's no longer an interface to interact with for listening to music. But you're talking about possibly removing some of the interface for making music. So now I've got a new definition of Music Like Air, not only on the listening side, but thanks to you on the creation side and the idea that maybe you don't hold anything and something around you is picking up your signals that allow you to mess with sound and sound waves yeah and i think if you take it to the next level um i i think you don't i think
0: there's another boundary that we set up through language of music and sound music is part of sound which is part of your natural environment it's it's vibrations that come into your ear and you experience it emotionally based on your history and your physiology and so um, uh... i think another thing that uh... is is happening is um... We, we live in a sonic environment and uh... that's another thing that is kind of there's been people like been talking about this like um, Oliveris and, um, y- you know, um, Brian Eno and stuff, but as, as technology develops, I think a consciousness of sound uh, and, and breaking down the barriers conceptually between music and sound, and that's what, something that synthesis does really well because it kind of says, well, what is music, right? You know, one of the sources on the synthesizer is, is noise, that's physical noise, it's moving electrons that are bouncing around because of heat. That's a very physical, visceral source. That is, is then getting translated into sound, but it's it's a, a real, you know, physical manifestation of the environment. Um, and uh, so, another thing that I think that we can look towards is the relationship between sound and our physiology, and how does sound affect mood? How does sound maybe help you get through issues like depression, sleep disorders? Um, and and people are using it to study um, helping people with autism and all sorts of physical things. So if we really t- pull the pull the lid off the thing, because a synthesizer is a, is something that creates sound that modifies the environment you're in, and we take the word music out, or we say music is just a human concept that we throw in that pot. So that's another whole area. Like how does sound? How do our sound environments affect our health? And um, well-being and you
1: know make the world a a more happy beautiful place. Mike now we know why
2: Bob Moak said you should meet Cyril. Uh, Yeah exactly I think we would be remiss if we didn't at this point pull it back to Bob one more time and say this is the hundredth anniversary of the theremin this year is the 100th anniversary of the theremin which is what got bob interested in music and musical instruments to begin with he was fascinated by leon theremin's um theremin or Lev theremin's theremin which we call today so we'll be seeing a lot come out this year on the 100th anniversary of the theremin there's the new york uh, theremin society that's doing a lot around this um we'll be doing some things this year uh, as well but the theremin is a a lot of what Cyril was just talking about it's a you move your hands and you are part you are the instrument you're a part of that circuit and and if you're not you know if you if you understand that then you can really evolve that instrument and Bob loved that fact that it was one of the he loved the the um, the physical interaction between the artist and that particular instrument and thought that was fascinating and most beautiful human interface between music and the artists that he'd ever seen. And that's what fascinated him. Wow. I have questions about Nam and it's almost silly to
1: ask them at this point because we went so deep so fast and this has been fun. But, um, but we are here at Nam. It brought us together, got us to meet each other. Um, are there things that, that, uh, you hope will come out of Nam that people should check out? Are there new, new things you guys are
2: releasing or features or, um, new stories that you're hoping will come out of this? We do. Well, we do have a couple of new releases um, here at Nam. We've got um, a new uh, Subsequent Twenty Five, which is we've been uh, we've had this product called the Subfatty for um, I don't know probably ten years now. And we're just uh, added a paraphonic uh, capability to it and some other capabilities, and people are really digging that. You know, Cyril can probably talk a little more about that. And we also did a retro release of a vocoder uh that Bob had designed in the maybe late sixties probably. I don't remember. And uh we just put um, put that back out, uh in a limited sort of edition of of that piece. So we've got a couple of announcements, but NAM's not our particular cup of tea for releasing new products. We usually tend to do that at Moogfest or at other events that uh we're able to put together ourselves. When is Moogfest? We're not doing it this year. Um, usually do it in April or May around Bob's birthday on May twenty third, uh, but we decided to take this year off. So you back in twenty twenty one spring? At, you'll, we'll be back in North Carolina. In North Carolina, likely in Durham. How many or. people come to that? Depends. Any year we, uh, I think the biggest year we had was about thirty five thousand people, and it's been 35,000. So and
1: is it mostly performances?
2: it's a uh, it's a really uh, an intersection of arts and entertainment and music uh and technology and it um we have usually a, at least a hundred panelists during the day so there's a lot of people that are talking about the all the subjects that you're interested in which is why you'd really like it there'll be futurists there um, bioethicists um, we have relationships with mit and oxford university we've had uh, professors and great speakers come in from uh, very knowledgeable people from all over all, all walks of life come and talk during the day and then at music at night and the concept was is that all this technology and future thought and uh, thinking that you you hear during the day goes a lot smoother with some music at night and so we 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 sort of created that event around that now there's a lot of festivals and stuff that's sort of seen that and copied that and, um we're going to have so that's why one of the reasons we're taking a year off we really need to rethink it because i think we in 2014 we introduced that concept it was very novel and got i think uh, that year in the new york times said uh, other than beyonce this was the best music festival that that they went to that year so we need to reconfigure it recreate it and rethink it and we'll do that for 2021. Yeah, it sounds like fun. I've got to go. Thank you so much for taking the time uh,
1: to, to come into this semi-not-as-loud booth here <laughs> at Nam. Uh, we've been talking to Mike Adams, president, and Cyril Lance, the CTO of Moog. And uh, you've been listening to Music Tectonics. We've got more episodes coming from Nam. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and really appreciate you listening. We'll have more for you soon.
0: Listening to Music Tectonics.